0: 1 John chapter 3 this morning, I've been talking about for several weeks now, anticipating the return of Christ, seen in these verses here at the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of verse 3, this unit of verses, chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. As you turn to 1 John 3 this morning, let me ask you, are you... Are you living in anticipation of the imminent return of Jesus Christ? Are you living that way? Are you thoughtful about how to live, knowing that Jesus Christ could return at any moment? Um, let me ask you this too. When you, when you anticipate the Lord's return, when you stop and think that you know, Jesus Christ could return at any moment, do you stop and think about heaven too? Do you think about what it will be like when, when you're in heaven? And do you look forward to that day when you will be with Christ and you will see Christ? And not, not only that, but you will be like Christ? I've got to confess that that uh, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking that way. I mean, we're busy, aren't we? We go headlong into our days and we often think that today is the most important day of my week or my life. You know, we, we've got things to do and places to go and things that need to be accomplished we don't often stop and think, you know, this, this could be the day that the Lord Jesus Christ returns and I could be with Him and I will see Him and I will be like Him. I'll be like Him. You know, it ought to be true of those who are Christians that we long to be like Christ. It ought to be true of us. That not only do we anticipate the fact that Jesus Christ could return at any moment, But as we anticipate His return, we ought to want to be like Christ. Because there's going to be a day when we will be like Christ. We will see Him as He is, and we will be like Christ. Our struggle here on earth will be over. But while we're here anticipating the return of Jesus Christ, we ought to want to be like Jesus now. You ever stop and think about that? this hope is ours that there will be a day when we are like Christ. There will be a day when sin is no longer a problem for us. And these earthly tents we call bodies are no longer a problem for us. And this hope is ours that though we daily fight sin in our lives, and we fight that good fight, right? Though we daily fight the good fight, Our future with Christ will be one without sin. Won't that be glorious? And though we struggle in the flesh, right? Some of us know what it is to struggle in the flesh because our flesh is struggling. Our flesh is failing, isn't it? Our bodies are dying. I'm sorry to tell you this if nobody's told you before, but you're dying, all right? But that's okay. Because there's going to be a day when you're going to shed this body and you're going to get a new one. And it'll be like the one that Jesus has. And you'll be without sin and without corruption. And that ought to grow in us a love for God, because He loves us so, to give us those precious promises. And it ought to grow in us a willingness and a desire to be like Christ now the next challenge that we see from John as he writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that that our behavior here on earth, our behavior while we're constrained to these physical bodies, while we're here experiencing gravity and more, right? Our behavior ought to reflect that we're anticipating the return of Christ at any time. So far in our study here in 1 John, and I told you, we started back in verse 28 of chapter 2, if you haven't been with us, and then proceeded through chapter 3. We're going to come to verse 3 this morning, but so far we've seen the following characteristics of a believer that lives in anticipation of the return of Christ. First of all, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return, some of you ought to have this by now. You ought to be able to tell me, Right, I sense that you're getting tired of hearing this. (laughs) But I want you to get this. Because believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ do what? They abide in Him, don't they? They abide in Christ. They cling to Christ. Their hope is in in who? It's in Christ, right? It's not in ourselves. It's not in these earthly bodies. It's not in, in the things that we've accomplished here on earth. Our hope is in Christ. And so we abide in Him, and He is our focal point. Our hope is not in the temporal things of this earth, is it? Our hope is in Christ, and when we abide in Him, we make Him our focal point. We make Christ our aim. We make Christ our example. And those who abide in Christ faithfully serve Christ and live for Him daily. And they seek to saturate their heart and their mind with God's Word, making Christ their focal point and Christ their example in life. That's what it means to abide in Him. You stay with Christ. You don't let, you don't let earthly things overwhelm your thinking. You've got to deal with them. You've got to deal with the day-to-day, don't you? But you're, you're heavenly-minded so that you can be earthly good for Christ's kingdom. So believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return abide in Him. They abide in Christ. Number two, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return, they live with confidence. They live with confidence. If we're believers who are making Christ our focal point in life, and we can live with confidence in Christ, not in ourselves, of course. This confidence that we have is not self-confidence. As a matter of fact, we ought not have self-confidence. We ought to have Christ-confidence. Because Christ accomplished everything for us by going to the cross and dying for our sins. And because our confidence is rooted in what Christ has accomplished through His sacrifice on the cross taking away our sin, we can live with confidence. If we are obeying Him, We're keeping His Word. If we make Christ our focal point, we can live with confidence. Thirdly, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return, they practice righteousness. There's a wonderful truth about believers who make Christ their focal point and serve Christ and live for God's glory. They, When they go to God's Word and they mine the depths, the treasures that are for them in God's Word and then obey them, they practice righteousness. Verse 29 says in chapter 2 that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. You don't practice righteousness so that you can be saved. You confess your sins and you trust in Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that saves you. But because you are saved, you do what honors God and you do good works, right? And because you are saved, you practice righteousness. It is evidence that you are a follower of Christ. John chapter 2, verse 14 reminds us that believers are strong, and I've been pounding this drum too, and you need to get this because you need to get God's Word so that you too can be strong for overcoming the evil one. Believers are strong for overpowering the devil in their lives when they get God's Word into their heart and soul and mind and begin to live the truths that they know from God's Word. When we read and obey God's Word, we will practice righteousness. Note I said, read and obey. Because believers, you believers who have been followers of Christ for a long time, our tendency is to keep reading but stop obeying, right? We, ne- we, we must never stop obeying God's Word and heeding God's Word. It will continue to teach us and change our thinking about our lives, As we examine our hearts and allow the spotlight of God's Word to help us examine our hearts for sin that needs to be confessed and gotten right with God, revealed by the power of His Word. Fourthly, believers who live in anticipation of Christ's return, they hope in the love of God. They hope in the love of God. chapter 3, verse 1, we saw this in verse 1 where it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us You see, we hope in the love of God because it's a gift. You cannot earn the love of God. You never will earn the love of God. It is a gift. You take advantage of the love of God by confessing your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ, and then the wonderful truths about the love of God begin to flood into your life as you open the Word and look for them. You see, we hope in the love of God for us because we can see it. We can see it in a way Jesus Christ demonstrates the love of God for us on the cross, right? We can see it in a way He conquers death, raising from the grave, and He conquers sin, and He conquers hell. We can see it in God's Word. We can see it demonstrated again and again in His Word. And we can see that it's a gift. We know that it's a gift. We know that we cannot and do not earn it. Thank goodness. Because none of us would earn it. None of us can earn it. And so we hope in God's love. We also hope in the love of God because we're, we're called God's children. We're declared to be God's children. It's a precious thing to be called a child of God. And not only that, not only are we called to God's children, we are God's children now. So believers hope in the love of God. We also learn, number five, believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ also hope in the love of God, not in the love of the world. They hope in the love of God. They don't hope in whether or not the world loves them. Because you begin to find out very quickly when you obey God's word, you find out the world doesn't love you. You find out that people don't get you. They don't understand that God's Holy Spirit is at work in your soul. The world doesn't get that. The world doesn't have spiritual eyes to see that. And verse 1 says, The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. There in chapter 3 of 1 John. We don't live hoping that the world will know us. We don't live hoping that the world will understand us and get us because it didn't get Jesus. and doesn't get Jesus. No matter what the world thinks of those who follow Christ, we find great hope in the love of God, not in whether or not the world loves us. And then number six, believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ have present strength because they know as God's children they will be like Christ. That's where we were last week present strength to live today because we know there will be a day when we will be like Christ, though we aren't like Christ now in that we are not sinless and we have corrupt bodies. There will be a day when we are like Christ and we are without sin and we are without corruption. We we will have heavenly bodies. Believer, you and I can have present strength to live today with this hope knowing what lies ahead for us knowing what's in our future we still fight the good fight of faith which is a fight against sin in our own lives and we fight to obey god's commands as god's children but it's also one that is that is hope filled as we fight the good fight we fight it with hope knowing what the future holds certain of what god has promised us because we know that there will be a day when we are no longer fighting sin but we will be like Christ because we will see Him as He is. As First John chapter 3, verse 2 says, I remind you, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, right? And what we will be has not yet appeared because we're not like Christ yet. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And now we have one more challenge here from John as he writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's that our anticipation of the return of Christ ought to affect how we live today. Put another way, we could say that believers who live in anticipation of the return of Christ enjoy a hope that purifies. They enjoy a hope that purifies. That's our seventh and final characteristic as seen in our passage of those who anticipate the return of Christ a hope that purifies look with me at 1 john chapter 3 verse 3 where john writes and everyone everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure Talking about Christ here, and everyone who thus hopes in Christ purifies himself as Christ is pure. And those who anticipate the return of the Lord Jesus Christ enjoy a hope that purifies. But you might be thinking, well, okay, how does hope, how does hope purify? How does hope purify? Well, I think it helps to understand a few things about the believer's hope. We need to understand some things about our hope, okay? One of the things that's clear from our passage is that properly placed hope is hope that's placed where? It's placed in Christ, isn't it? Properly placed hope is hope that's placed in Christ and not in earthly things, not in the temporal things of this world in which we live. Because we do tend to place our hope in earthly things, don't we? We do tend to put our hope in things that we can see and touch and feel. We tend to do that, but that's a dangerous place to put your hope. In those temporal things, in those things that are so shaky. Why is that? Why do we do that? We want hope, don't we? We search for hope. We we strive for hope. Some of us work very hard so that we'll be hopeful about tomorrow. But yet, where our hope needs to be is in Jesus Christ. That's where our hope should be founded, in the rock-solid Jesus Christ. We tend to place our hope in earthly things, and that is a shaky place to put our hope. Why is that? Well, because when I put my hope in earthly resources such as, as money, where I put my hope in earthly resources such as a job, a place of employment, or in the number of possessions or the kinds of possessions that I have, I soon find out that there isn't enough money and that job isn't what I thought it was going to be and those possessions don't satisfy, do they? So what is it about the hope that we have in Christ that's so different than the temporal and shaky hope of earthly things? Well, I want to just point to a couple of passages this morning that are going to help us understand why our hope in Christ is is really the only place for our hope to be. I want you to do this with me. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Look with me at at Romans chapter 8. And there are some precious reminders here of why we have hope as believers in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. And follow along with me as I read verses 23 through 25. Romans 8, verse 23. Paul writes, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. You see, because we're not, we're not what we will be one day, right? We wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, we hope in Christ, don't we? And we hope in Christ because we know that forgiveness of sins is ours because of Christ. We know His promises, don't we? And we know His promise of forgiveness is ours because we trust in Christ and His finished work on the cross. And we hope in Christ because we know that that forgiveness is ours and it's all because of Christ. And because of Christ, we know we are God's children now. Right? First John chapter 3. We know we're God's children now. But we also know that what we will be has not yet appeared right. Verse 2 in chapter 3. And so, as we see here in Romans, we eagerly anticipate the day when we will no longer struggle with sin and we will no longer have bodies that are wasting away and we await eagerly the redemption of our bodies, right? And that is a hope that is ours only because of Christ. That's a future hope, and that is also a certain hope. And it's a certain hope because it's not a hope from within ourselves. It is a gift from God. It is not a a hope that we can muster up ourselves. It is a gift from God. Do you see that in Romans? Where he says, as we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Before that, he pointed to the fact that we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit who is working in us, giving us hope, right? And There are future blessings promised us, and our hope in those future blessings is a gift from God. There's a, there's a wonderful benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 that points to that truth. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Do you realize that hope is yours because it's a gift from God? And verse 17 reminds us that, that we are to comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work and word. You see, our hope in God is a gift of God's grace. And our hope in the promise of future Christ-likeness finds its root in the hope that is a gift from God. And that future hope compels us. It ought to. That future hope ought to compel us to be like Christ now. That's why. The passage I just read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. We see this in verse 16. We who loved us, speaking of Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Verse 17, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. The outcome of our God-given hope ought to be that we pursue the good works and good words that glorify God. And this is how we can enjoy a hope that purifies when we live in anticipation of the return of Jesus Christ. John says back in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, that the result of this hope is that believers purify themselves as Christ is pure. And that's why it's a hope that purifies. You see, when you have God-given hope, when your hope is in Jesus Christ and not in the temporal things of this earth, and you realize that because of His mercy, you will be like Him. You will shed these earthly cells, right, they are wasting away. And you will put on Christ-likeness. You will put on an eternal Christ-likeness. When you see Christ, you will no longer have a frail earthly body, but a heavenly body. And you will no longer have a sinful life, but a sinless eternity when you realize that, that ought to compel you to live for Christ today. To want to be like Christ now. And so, to seek to purify yourself as He is pure. You see, those who hope in Christ purify themselves. They seek to purify themselves. And so it's a purifying hope, isn't it? And our hope in Christ changes how we live today, doesn't it? That's evidence that we are truly believers and that we really are living in anticipation of the return of Christ. When that hope purifies. See, those who hope in Christ make Christ their example, don't they? And those who hope in Christ want to be like Christ. He's their focal point. Those who hope in Christ make Christ that, that target by which they aim at Christ's likeness. I want you to listen to how Paul puts our hope into perspective in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Back in verses 1 through 5 of Romans 5, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God that we will see someday. We don't see it now, do we? He goes on to say in verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. How so, Paul? How do you rejoice in your sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance? And endurance produces character and character produces what? Hope. Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And Those who hope in Christ pattern their lives after Christ. Those who hope in Christ take up the example of Christ. Those who hope in Christ, or as verse 3 says, And everyone, everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Your hope is in the Lord. If you anticipate the return of Jesus Christ and your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a purifying hope. You'll have a purifying hope. A hope that compels you to live as God's Word commands you to live. You'll have a hope that compels you to sink your life into God's Word so that when you face challenges and hardship and difficulties and decisions, life-changing decisions, you'll know what God's Word says. And you won't have to pray about the decision because you'll know what God's Word says. Often that's true, isn't it? When we go before God and our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're anticipating the Lord's return and we sink our lives into God's Word, He gives us what we need for daily living. And yet often we don't hope. We don't hope in Christ, do we? We hope in what's going to happen today, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week. Fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on God's Word keep your hope in the lord because everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as christ is pure let's pray father in heaven as we gathered together this morning we've opened your word i ask the lord that you would take take your word and use it now and continue to use it in the days ahead as long as you tarry as a sharp, two-edged sword as You describe it in Your Word. Use it to pierce our souls, Lord, with the truths of Your Word that we might yield before You and thus have our hope in You. Lord, help us. As John writes, help us to thus hope in You. Help us to keep our hope in You. Help us to purify ourselves as Christ is pure. Father, we thank You for the blessings that abound, the promises that overflow from Your Word, and and the the obvious love that You have for us demonstrated so clearly in Jesus Christ's example by going to the cross for us, suffering and shedding His blood for us so that we might be forgiven of our sins. So Lord, help us to hope in in Christ and help us to look forward to the day when, when Christ returns. And may the hope that we have purify us, make us desire to be like Christ, conformed to Christ's image, shaped by Your Word, moved by Your Holy Spirit. Father, do Your work in us and help us to yield to You in every way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.